listening to 247 Real Talk. Uh, this is your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I have a special guest. I'll introduce him by telling you what he told me when we met. He said 15 years ago, he was admitted to Mount Carmel Cardiac Center because he couldn't breathe, because his legs had ballooned up to five times their normal size. He was a chain smoker, just over three packs a day. He was an alcoholic, a drug abuser, and he lived a life on pain pills and alcohol. We're going to hear the entire story of Jimmy Roenick. I'll be right back. So good evening, Jimmy. Welcome to 247 Real Talk Podcast. Thank you for being a guest on my show this evening. Well, thank you for having me, Julian. I, I have to tell you real quick that I'm a guy that savors all my wins, and being on this show with you is a big win. I'm going to use this to motivate myself for quite some time. Well, thank you. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a win for me and my audience, too. So we're going to jump right into this, because uh, and I'll... I'll also read something else to my audience that you said to me, and that is you want to share some of the steps, truths, and wisdoms that you have found mostly the hard way on your journey, not only to self-improvement, but basically for your survival. So let's start off with Jimmy, Jimmy the Kid. Tell us about Jimmy the Kid. Tell us a little bit about Jimmy. When I was a younger man, younger younger child, um, yeah, I had a father that was an alcoholic. wasn't uh, the nicest guy in the world. I don't really want to elaborate too much, but kind of uh, stripped me of most of my self esteem. Uh, that's kind of how you end up in the position I was when I decided I finally had to take control of my life at 420 pounds and heart failure and uh, the pulmonary edema and actually just being in an intensive care unit. But, you know, I, I can't blame it all on him, but it just kind of led me in that direction. You know what I mean? When you're told you can't do something or, you know, you're, you're told you're no good over and over and over again, you kind of tend to believe that. That's that's a real shame. I think a lot of people suffer with that. I don't know that they went to the extremes that I did as far as my weight and, you know, my drug and alcohol abuse. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where it started when I was younger. Okay, so spiraled out, spiraled out of control, you know, throughout my life. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna take, and if it's okay with you, <clears throat> we're gonna take um, both myself and my audience through the journey, um, sort of in a step by step way, because I think it's your import, your story is so important, and I think your victory is so uh, amazing that I want you know anyone in my audience who has gone through or is going through the same struggle to recognize not only the the process you went through first you know going down before coming up and um you know the similarities they may find between them their lives and yours so there came a point because of your the psychological 
issues that you were dealing with with family. We won't go any deeper into that. Um, it, it, so was this was this first alcohol and then eating, or was it eating as a comfort way through it? Yeah, the eating was a comfortable thing. I, I would have to say the, the alcoholism and the drug addiction came because you know I ate myself into a very bad place. You know what I mean? I was I was a big man. I was 420 pounds when I was hospitalized. Um, you know, it just it was a very miserable existence. You know, little things people take for granted you couldn't do. Um, you know, it's just something simple like sitting in a restaurant booth or, or going to buy a pair of pants. Is, you know, it was just a big struggle. So, you know, you start to feel worse about yourself, you know. Okay, but let's, let's, feel, I'm going to stop yeah. you there. I'm going to stop because I want, I know, sure. and, you know, if if it becomes too difficult, let me know because this is real talk and we're yeah. we're having a real conversation about your life and I want, but... So there comes a, there's a point in your life and tell me what age was this was about where you, you, cause I think I would think that you began to notice that not only you were eating, but I would assume that there are other things that would come to your attention, weight gain, you know, maybe slowing down in, in, in your normal activity. Um, what, you know, what did you weigh? As, uh, in the beginning, when you could remember yourself as what you would consider the step before this started, what did you weigh at that point? Before uh, this all started, I, I mean, I was always heavy. Um, I was probably 260, 270, upwards of 300 pounds. And then it just, like I said, it spiraled out of control. Um, and then once. The, the heart problem came. I got what is known as edema, right. which that's what caused my legs to blow up to, I said, five times the normal size. Um, basically, what was happening is my heart had stopped circulating the blood to my lower extremities, and it was backing up, and I was drowning in my own body. I mean, I, I couldn't breathe. So what um, was, what was the, at the point where... Prior to going into the hospital, prior to, you know, let's say you are, you're now, you've hit 400 pounds, but you haven't, you have, you're not in the hospital yet. What was, what was, right. what was, what were your three meals for the day like? Oh, three meals. Yeah, no. Or what were your, no, let me correct that. What were your meal? What was your meal? You know, from morning till night, what did you eat? I mean, you're talking about a lot of fried foods. Um, you know, peanut butter, ice cream, things like that. Uh, all things that I keep out of my house right now, unless I give them to my wife. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of sweets, just basically junk food, cheeseburgers, you know. And, and like you said earlier, I, I did a lot of eating to comfort myself, to, you know, I'd get stressed, I'd eat, I'd be happy I'd eat. You know what I mean? I didn't really need an excuse. I just enjoyed eating. So, Were you employed? Yeah, yeah, I was employed. Um, yeah, I worked, uh, did appliance repairs, and I mean, I've always been employed. It's just, you know, sometimes it's tough when you're that size. People look at you differently. You right. Know? Yeah, it's it's it is a really tough existence, and and I can certainly feel for anybody that's going through it. In fact, that's kind of what my mission in life now is, is 
I don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves, but I, yeah, I we gonna we gonna we gonna get to the victory dance, you know. But as I said, no, I want. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna give you your glory. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So 15 years ago, something happened, and you were admitted to what? What triggered the need to admit you to the cardiac center? Okay, I'm I'm gonna take it back a couple weeks from the day that we we uh, went to the hospital, just because I wanna I wanna kind of give you an idea where I was at. Yes, please do. Uh, my daughter was in second grade, and uh, I would take her to school every day, and she liked me to walk her to her classroom. This was probably 25 yards from the car to the classroom, and for about two to three weeks, maybe, when I would do this, I would struggle to breathe by the time I got her there, and it would just be like I felt like I was going to pass out. I was gasping for air. My heart was beating real fast in my chest, and I would, you know, I didn't want to admit there was something wrong with me. I know that's a silly thing, but I, I just didn't want to admit. So I would stand there after I drop her off and give her a hug and say, I'll see you later. And I would read the bulletin board, which was across the hall from her uh, classroom, and I'd stand there just long enough so I could get my breath back, and then I'd get back to the car, and I'd fall in the seat and struggle to breathe from the walk again until I could drive home. This went on for about two or three weeks. Um, my daughter got a, a note. She brought a note home from school, and uh, they were taking them on a field trip to the Columbus Zoo. And, you know, they said, parents are welcome to come. And my daughter, of course, she begged me. She begged me to come. You know, Dad, you got to go. You got to go. And I, I knew that was going to be a difficult task with my breathing and my heart. So uh, I came up with this plan that I was going to take some uh, cold medicine and some of those blue uh, halls, you know, cough drops, the real strong ones. And I thought, well, if I could do that, maybe I could keep my airways open long enough to get through the zoo. Yeah, it didn't work out too good. I, uh, it was 87 degrees that day at the Columbus Zoo, and the humidity was probably about the same, 80%. I got in the front door of the zoo. I couldn't breathe. My heart was beating like it was playing in a thrash heavy metal band, and I just had to sit down. Um, so my daughter didn't get to see any animals that day, and said she got to go with me to the cardiac unit. And uh, that was that was a turning point there. I just, you know, I realized that I just can't keep fooling myself that something has to be done here. This is a so you you admitted yourself. Thing. You went voluntarily to the cardiac unit. It wasn't uh, an emergency. Yeah. Now, I also yeah, notice here that, and I want to bring this up, too, before we get into the next phase of this, and that is you were a chain smoker at three packs a day. Yeah. You were... Yeah. And, and, go ahead. You would, you were, uh, for all intents and purposes, you would say you were a drug user, a drug abuser, you were an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, what yeah. what types of drugs were we talking about? Well, I, I, my... my my favorites or my poison of choice was whiskey and Percocet. Was, um, Where were you getting Percocet? That's prescription, right? Uh, yeah, it's prescription. Um, yeah, I mean, it, when you, you know, the the one thing about somebody that is, is a, an alcoholic or an addict is they can be the most focused people in the world when they want something. So you got and it. I mean, you, we won't yeah. go into where you got it. You got it. <laughs> Yeah, drugs aren't hard to find, you know what I mean? But right. unfortunately, it's the truth. So, 
Yeah, and a funny story, well, not funny, it's actually a sickening story and a testament of where my mind was the day I went to the hospital. I knew I wasn't going to be able to smoke cigarettes in the hospital, so I came smoked all the way to the hospital. Wow. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's just, it's crazy, you know, what, what we do to ourselves. And I mean, I know not everybody does that, but yeah, I was pretty, pretty in pretty bad shape. But now you also mentioned, so there, 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 there are phases to this and I want, and again, uh, for all my, for my audience, you know, for their benefit, I want to understand that the reason I'm being painstaking with this is because on this journey of 247 Real Talk, hosting this show and, and speaking to so many different people with so many challenges, I recognize that each time I, I take the time to go through a story step by step, there's someone out there who benefits from it because they're at some point and, you know, this is a world that is, that has how many billion people yet we can feel so alone in this world and knowing that someone else not only is going through it, but your story is so inspiring and I'm, and we're going to get to the inspirational points and I'm hoping that someone who's walking this same journey, you know, hears this and, and, you know, can claim the same victory you're claiming now. So um, you went to the hospital, you tipped the scales at 420 pounds. You weren't in the best um, mental state because you said also you were in a horrible marriage. Um, yes. Which I'm assuming just added to your your need to find a fix, so to speak, at the point you know prior to hospital, which added to your abuse. Um, right. as a pacifier. Um, and then you know, when you went to the cardiac unit, you know, and I'm reading what you said, the doctor said, but I want you to tell my audience what the doctors told you in diagnosis. So, well, the first thing the doctors told me basically is, um, you know, if you don't quit smoking, you're going to die. And it wasn't like they said, um, you know, we tell everybody smoking's harmful and smoking's this. They literally told me the condition my lungs were in, and if I don't quit smoking, I'm going to die. So that was kind of their first priority. But the other thing they told me is, even though, like, had I waited any longer to get there, I definitely would have been dead. And being in the hospital, it wasn't even a guarantee that I was going to come out of it then. They said my condition was so grave. Right. You know, so, yeah, it was... It, it was a lot of things to hear, you know, and it, it, it's it's like a real hard slap in the face as a wake-up call, you know. I mean, I knew I was obese. I knew uh, that the drugs and alcohol weren't helping me and the cigarettes weren't helping, you know, and I continued to do it. But when I'm hearing not just one doctor, but a couple, three doctors and specialists that were coming in to see me telling me all the same thing, it was like, wow, you know, what a wake-up call and this. I really took myself to the brink, like I'm standing on death's door and, you know, now I have to make a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to leave this hospital and I'm going to try to fix myself or am I going to leave this hospital and just keep going down the same road and, you know. And just for the record, you were, you were 40 years old. Um, yes, sir. And their, their um, prescription so for you was 24 hours a day oxygen and a ton of medication, right? Yeah, the 24-7 oxygen at 4 milliliters and, I mean, more medications than 
I can probably recall. Um, you know, heart pills, uh, water pills, blood pressure pills, a couple different inhalers. You know, literally, I, I, I make the joke it was a grocery bag full of medication, but that's not too far off. It's quite a bit. And what did they... Um, one time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I just was going to make a, this point. I, you know, I used to make that joke, but one time I went to a pharmacy drive through and tried to get my medication. They couldn't send it through the tube because it was too much. <laughs> so they had, they had to send somebody out with it. Well, it's, I mean, it's good that you could laugh about it now because you 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 um you have this amazing story. But um, did they at that point outside of the oxygen and the medications? Did they what did they recommend in terms of your weight? Well, of course they wanted me to lose weight, but you know when you're when you're four hundred and twenty pounds, the only the only thing you can really do is diet. You know what I mean? And, right. To try to diet a, a 420 pound guy, a diet for a 420 pound guy, and I mean no disrespect to anybody that's overweight, I, I can empathize, but a diet for somebody that's that big is a lot different than, like, say, you know, your wife wants to go on a diet and lose five or 10 pounds. Right, right. It, it, it's just a, it's a slow process and it's so painfully slow that it almost seems hopeless. You know, it, you get to a point where, you know, you you feel like you're starving because you're used to eating whatever you want, whenever you want. And so then you don't get results or you get really tiny results and it just makes you feel you know, hopeless. You're like, what am I going to do? If I don't get the weight off, I'm going to die. You know, and yeah, I, it, it takes you to a pretty dark place emotionally. Um, so... so yeah, the diet, yeah, like I can understand that because I think anybody who's listening to this show, anybody in this world knows that um, anyone who is going from either, you know, not obese, but someone who is um, even over, let's say overweight, you know, and they want to say, I want to lose 10 or 20 pounds and they decide to go the diet and the, you know, there's a reason that that companies that offer diet food and diet pills and all that are multi-million or multi-billion dollar companies because yes not only do they offer things that they that are all temporary but they know that we keep coming back for more because we fall off the wagon and then you know i mean i mean and then you go back at it being in shape and and living life at the same time is is you know there are people who do it but it's not the easiest thing to do and that's for people who are not 420 pounds right and the tough part about the the whole weight loss thing for me at that that stage and that point was you got to remember I was 420 pounds and I was tethered to my couch by an oxygen tank so you know it's like not only was exercise almost impossible but just the pure boredom of laying on the couch watching the television because I couldn't go anywhere because of the oxygen you know really was a struggle not to just get in the refrigerator and not you know just raid the cookie jar or whatever I wanted to get into. So that's what I mean when it seems so hopeless because, you know, I, I couldn't even basically go outside and do things that I wanted to do just to get away from it. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty miserable time. So did you lose any weight in the beginning? I did. Yeah, I did a few pounds here and there. You okay. know, I mean, enough to keep the doctors, you know, happy that I was making some progress. But, yeah, I didn't. I didn't lose it a lot. I mean, I, 
I got to a point, I guess I'd lost enough weight to where I would walk after dinner with my little portable tank. But I didn't, I don't think I really, um, I didn't do a, a whole lot until, and this is a, I don't recommend anybody ever do this. This is probably the stupidest thing I ever did. But it turned out in the long run to, to be beneficial for me is I just got so tired of that oxygen tank and just so tired of breathing that oxygen, I decided one day just not to use it. And yeah, it was, it was rough because like breathing was still a, a struggle for me. And you know, sometimes when you don't have enough oxygen, you'll, you'll fall asleep or, you know, things like that'll happen to you. But yeah, I weaned myself off the oxygen against, you know, the doctor didn't, had, had no idea. So once I got rid of the oxygen tank, then I would just keep my inhalers close by and when I could walk, I would walk. And then the weight started coming off a little easier. You know, but still not anything drastic. So, my audience has heard this story. They've heard you go into a cardiac center. They've heard doctors told you basically that, you know, they'll give you 24-7 oxygen. They'll give you a, 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 a ton of pills and still your prognosis is grim. You go home. You, right. you're, you're trying. You lose a few pounds. You know, this is a life and death situation. So, what I'm going to say next is surprising because you fell back into trouble again yeah i did yeah i did i uh i was a type 2 diabetic of course because of my weight um i was a uh a pill dependent diabetic where i took a metformin pill um to control my sugar yeah and i you know like i said i felt in a hopeless situation and uh i struggled with that quite a bit and i got back into drinking and you know Dab one with pain pills a little bit, and I went to a doctor's appointment, and my sugar it went up to almost 400. And I, you know, I tried to okey doke the doctor, or, or you know, pull one over on him and tell him, I don't know, I've been eating healthy, doctor. I've been trying to walk. I don't understand this. The machine must be wrong. And he wasn't buying it. Yeah, he uh, he sent me home with an insulin um, prescription and Trulicity. Both okay. of them are injectable, so it went from a, a pill-dependent diabetic to an insulin-dependent diabetic. And that's that's pretty that's pretty far down. I mean, um, I can recall one instance in my life. Um, my mother was a diabetic on pills for probably thirty-five years, uh, or a little bit, maybe a little wow. bit less than that. But in her last. Uh, five, four months of her life, they had to switch her to the insulin injection. So I know that's usually, that's usually pretty dire. But then here we are now, you are in really bad shape, and then something happened. So now we start to go uphill. Now my audience is sitting at the edge of their seats because we want to know what happened. Tell us in detail what happened. Okay, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. I was still kind of a couch potato. My my exercise was kind of just, you know, I'd, I'd eat dinner and I'd feel guilty, so I'd, I'd walk. The, you know, and I, when I say I walk, I would walk maybe two city blocks and, and be home and out of breath and sweaty. I can remember one afternoon. Uh, excuse me. One afternoon, I was uh, on the couch, of course, and I was flipping through the TV stations, and I remember, I remember coming across this program. 
and, and I seen this guy, this really big guy, and he was talking real loud, and he was talking real, you know, like confident and kind of gestures, and he was saying all this stuff, like stuff I'd never heard before, you know, like how it's, it's okay to love yourself, and it's okay to, um, you know, think this way, and it's, it's you know, and I was just amazed. I, I was watching this guy, and I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, I think I'd heard things like that before in my life, but because of my situation and because I, I was just in such a dark place, I always said, oh, that stuff don't work for anybody. Well, the guy I seen, he was, it was Tony Robbins. He was talking to a, um, one of the morning shows or afternoon shows. I can't remember exactly who it was, but the stuff he was saying just, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, yeah, that, that sounds right. You know, that just sounds like, I could listen to this and I could take this advice and I could work this, you know? So I started kind of searching for everything I could find, not just Tony Robbins, but, you know, different things um, about like subliminal learning and psychology. And I started reading a lot. And it's funny because the more I learned, the more I educated myself, the more I didn't really want to be weak in any area of my life. Like, the more I fed my mind, the more positive things I put in my mind, the more I needed my body to kind of catch up with my mind, if that makes any sense to you at all. Um, so I just became, like, obsessed with learning and reading and and trying to figure out why, you know, somebody can be the way I was and then somebody else can be, like, eons above that and just be in great condition and, you know, seem to have it all together. So that's kind of where my story changed because the more I learned, you know, about the way things work, you know, with the, with your mind, the more my I did things to like get my body in shape. And so it's kind of a twofold thing. You you want to train your mind to make your mind strong and believe the things it needs to believe, and your body will kind of follow. That's what I've found over the last. 10 years and it's, it's worked really well for me. So well, there was a period there where you saw Tony Robbins, where you were still sitting on the couch and you started to educate yourself. You started to give yourself some self empowerment. You started to put the, the, the self esteem issues and all those things behind you. You started to believe in yeah, yourself. Really and did. what, what did you do in terms of exercise? Well, it was still pretty much walking for a long time, you know, but the two blocks would turn into six blocks to eight blocks to, you know, I, I don't know how long it was before I was walking a mile, but, you know, it, it, the walking increased, the speed of the walking increased. The diet, the more I learned and the more I educated myself and felt good about myself, the diet seemed a lot easier. And I, and I really hate that word diet, so I'm just using it because it's what everybody's familiar with, but. Because the diet just implies it's something temporary to where what I made was a lifestyle change. I, I didn't, like, go on a, one of the programs or I just started watching what I ate, uh, eating things that were more natural instead of man-made. And, you know, we all know what good foods are and what bad foods are, you know. And, and that's kind of what I went down that path where I was eating more fruits and vegetables. In the beginning, what I would do is I had a big appetite, obviously, being a big guy. But I learned that 
you can eat a lot of vegetables and not gain weight. I mean, you can eat more vegetables literally than your stomach can hold, and it won't hurt you on some of these green vegetables. So that was one of my hacks that I used. I would, you know, eat like a can of green beans with every meal or, you know, a salad or something like that. And that was something that really helped me. But, yeah, more, more, the, what helped me more is just believing in myself and keeping promises to myself, no matter how big or how small. That's kind of what I said when I, you know, when you brought me on. I said, thank you so much because I, I celebrate every win. You know, everything I do, if it's a win, I celebrate it. Where in my past, when I was 420 pounds and addicted to drugs, I, I, I stewed in my failures, you know? And I think that a lot of people have that problem where a failure is heavier in your mind than a win, but you gotta savor every win, no matter how big or how small. That's, that's kind of a philosophy I live by now. That, that is such an important, let's pause there for a second because I wanna, as we go through the power of who you are now, I want you to repeat that to my audience. Savor every win. It's not about the losses. It's about, and I think that's a great uh, point to make and a great attitude because I think that that's an attitude that transcends you know, your situation into any situation in life, you know, is to learn to look at the positive instead of you know, wallowing in the, in the negative. So we're going down Victory Road with you now, and I, I want you to do more talking than me. So I want you to, I'm going to tell you, I see here that you got to a point where you got rid of the drugs, you got rid of the alcohol, you got rid of the cigarettes, you got rid of the, and, and, I, and I don't want to say this with any disrespect to anyone, but you got rid of what you call a bad marriage. And, yes, sir. And um, obviously at the point you got rid of the weight, and so tell us about that journey before we get to where you are today. Okay. Um, well, you know, like I said, I was educating myself and I was celebrating every small win that I made. Um, finally, I went from walking to, you know, walking fast as exercise. And then I was started picking up weights. Um, you know, I couldn't do a lot at first. In fact, it's, it's funny. I was just telling my new wife as we were getting ready to do the interview. Um, when I would go to the gym, I would almost feel bad about myself until I realized, well, I'm at the gym. I'm not on the couch. So like, I feel bad because I couldn't lift as much as other guys. But I'm like, well, at least I'm on the, I'm, I'm at the gym and not sitting on the couch, you know, eating ice cream. So, you know, I started looking at things differently. I realized that, you know, it's okay to, to love yourself. It's okay to, to have respect for yourself. In fact, like every time I, I would keep a, I would develop more and more self-esteem. And I think that's really important. Even if it's just a small promise, you know, like, Hey, I'm not going to smoke a cigarette this hour. Man, if you can do that, celebrate that win because that's going to give you more self-esteem or I'm not going to eat that piece of cake after dinner. That's, that's a win, you know, and, and it's a promise you kept to yourself. And that's the way to gain self-esteem is by keeping every promise you make to yourself. You know, you got to be accountable and you got to, you have to keep your promises to yourself, I guess. Um, and that's, that's where my life kind of turned around is I'd never done that before. You know what I mean? Like I would say, oh, I, I really don't want to smoke cigarettes. 
And then five minutes later, I'd be packing a pack of cigarettes and lighting one. Or, yeah, I don't want to, to eat that piece of pizza, but it would call my name and I'd, I'd go eat it. I learned that, you know, by keeping the promise to myself, that stuff didn't have any power over me anymore. The alcohol, the drugs, nothing, because there came a point where not doing it was a win, and the win felt better than the, the addiction or the food or, or anything. It felt better to have a little bit more self-esteem than to have the thing that was killing me. So that's kind of what dug me out of the hole and, and out of the darkness where I was at is I kind of just learned that, yeah, it feels better to give yourself a reason to love yourself and, like, give yourself a reason to build that self-esteem and keep that trust and keep that faith in yourself because if you can have faith in yourself, you can accomplish anything. And, and, I mean, it took me a lot of years to get to that point, and I'm just kind of racing ahead because I think that's really important that people understand that, that if you can do those things, you can accomplish anything. I also think that people that are either addiction, people that are addicts, or people that are alcoholics, I said this earlier, they're people of focus. But the problem is the focus is bad. But if you can learn to flip that script, those people with those problems, you can flip the script in, into something good. You can be real focused individuals and you can conquer anything. And I think that's what I've learned in all of this is that, you know, it's all about the way you view yourself and the way to view yourself better is just to, to keep your promises to yourself and, and know you're going in the right direction. That was another thing when I was losing a lot of weight. It wasn't always a lot. It wasn't even always enough to get on the scale and notice. But as long as I was true to myself and I knew that I was going in the right direction, I knew it didn't matter if I got on that scale or not because eventually going in that direction is going to get me where I want to go. If if I wasn't true to myself and I said, yeah, I'm on a diet, but I need to eat a Twinkie here and there, or I need a piece of pizza that I shouldn't eat, then, yeah, I can't expect the results that I, I want. And it, that's kind of where my turning point was. I realized that it wasn't really about not doing those things. It was more about not doing them for the right reasons because it seemed like every time I would conquer one of those urges or conquer one of those feelings to, to do something like that, my self-esteem would just get bigger and bigger and bigger until it finally just, it took over, you know, and it brought me to where I am today. Okay, so let's go to today. Tell us where you are today. Start off with, what does, what do you weigh now? Uh, what well, fluctuates a little bit. I'm, I'm anywhere between 230 and 240. Wow. And I know that sounds, yeah, well, I mean, that's, 230 to 240 depends on how I'm training. If I'm training really heavy with heavy weights, my weight tends to go up. Um, Muscle mass. And then I'll get to a point where, yeah, when I get to a point where I'll run and try to cut that down, I think I'm probably in the 230, 235 range right now. So you're, you're, I, I don't spend a lot of time. You're 200 pounds lighter. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a significant um, thing. Well, but, that's like a whole person, man. Yes. <laughs> but but the best part of it all is, you know, I, I I said earlier how I 
stripped the oxygen mask off myself and probably wasn't the smartest thing. I, I don't recommend anybody do that. Um, but I was at such a point in my life when I did that that it didn't really matter to me. It was either I was going to get better or I wasn't. You know, I was in a really dark place. But for for me, luckily, it worked out to where, you know, my body kind of adapted to it. As I started to lose weight, it became easier and easier to breathe. So, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But today, I don't have, I don't take any medications. I don't take anything. Um, the heart pills are gone. Uh, the diabetic medicine was gone quite some time ago. Um, the insulin, my doctor told me he's only read about that where people get off insulin in medical journals. He's never seen it in real life. Yeah. Until he met Pretty Jimmy Rowan. That's right. He, he actually, this is funny. And, and it's really funny for me to say these types of things because I've had such a low self-esteem all my life. So I try to be, I, I tend to be a little more humble than most, but I know you can tell me telling my story to your audience. But anyway, um, but he actually calls me the miracle man. And I thought that's the funniest thing in the world to me. You know, I, I wasn't trying to create a miracle. I was just trying to survive and have a decent life, you know. But I think I maybe maybe I took it to an extreme, but that's okay, you know. I'm 55 years old now, and, and, you know, I'm in better shape. Well, I'm way better shape than I was when I was 40, but, you know. Describe yourself as an athletic humble. beast. I'm an athletic beast, man. I used to be a, I used to be a sick, drug-addicted, obese man. Now I'm just an athletic beast. You know, I lift weights with 30-year-olds that go, you're going to kill yourself, old man. And I'm like, sit back and watch, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I take it very seriously, you know, and, and my wife goes, I think you take the gym too seriously. But, you know, it's what keeps me feeling young and it keeps me just motivated. You know? I think, so would you say that it also, that drive, that, because, I don't lift weights now, but I used to be a bodybuilder for many years. Um, yeah. That that drive, would you say that it? Uh, a lot of what's behind that is knowing that you never want to go back from you know to where you came from. You know, it used to be, and I'll tell you a story about that. Is I used to motivate myself with fear, um, and fear is a very powerful motivator. Um, I used to carry a. a my heavy set picture, I, I don't like to use the word fat because obviously it's, you know, I've heard that word a lot in my life. I think it's a very ugly word, but um, I carried that picture laminated in my back pocket. And it served me well for the time, but it come a time where I would look at that picture and I would remember just too vividly about how horrible that life was. And I would start to get anxiety and I would start to get different things from that. So now what I like to do is I like to use what I call pull motivation, where I, I think about, okay, well, what's my life going to be like if I continue down this path? It's going to be great. I mean, my life right now, Julie's is so much better. I mean, I have I've gotten out of the bad marriage, no drugs, no alcohol. I have a beautiful wife who just adores me. And, you know, my life is blessed. And, and I owe it all to just making that change. You know, I I couldn't have had the things I have now if I would have still been living the old life where I was in depression and darkness and hopelessness. 
So it's like now I have real things to attach that motivation to. You know, I can I can say, well, look what I have because of what I've done. And imagine what I can have if I can do more. Or imagine I can help people, you know, I can help different people. And imagine how fulfilling that will be if, if I help other people do what I did, you know. So I, I use that as a motivation now rather than trying to scare myself into thinking, well, I don't ever want to be that guy. That guy's dead. He's buried. You know, I don't I don't worry about that no more. Okay, so, so I think that's. What's, 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 what's next? You, you know, you're, you're, you're obviously going in the direction, the positive direction. And even though you're an athletic beast, I can tell from, from your, your motivation and from your determination that this is not your peak. So what's, what's the next challenge for Jimmy? Well, next challenge is, is I want to help people. I, I, I know how painful it is to be in the situation that I was in. So I've been trying to find, and it's not even about the money. I mean, sure, we all want to make money doing what we love to do. And, and what I love to do is, you know, help people, change people, you know. But it's not even about the money. I'm trying to find someone that I can help, you know, coach them, help them put meal plans together, things like that. It's it's actually funny. I I don't know if you know who this man is, but um, you know Vince Neil, the, the rock singer. No. Motley Crue. Yeah, no Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Okay, well Vince Neil, the rock singer, he's he's been getting some really bad press lately because he's kind of not in the best shape of his life. Let's just put it that way. And so I I've actually reached out to his management. And said, hey, I can help this guy. This is me. Look what I've done. I can help this guy. But, you know, of course, I haven't heard anything yet. And, and I probably won't. But I figured I'd throw the offer out there. And uh, so, but I, I have been trying to find other people to help. You know, I, I mentor a couple younger guys in the gym. You know, but I, I would some, I'm trying to figure out a way that I can do this. Well, you and, have, and you have, you have this. one shot here. I mean, people are, I've, I've learned to, you know, because like I said, I've done, I've lost count of how many shows I've done and I've dealt with people who've lost children to, um, homicide and, you know, suicide. Um, I also, right. I, I'm also a videographer and photographer and this, just this past Sunday, I videotaped someone, uh, doing a testimony at my church who, uh, lost a daughter to murder, um, I don't have the oh. permission, so I won't get into the details. But um, yeah. I say that to say that I have enough. You know, I have thousands of listeners to this show, and um, I, you know, your story is so inspirational. And I think what I hear you saying is an open invitation to anyone who hears this podcast and needs to reach Jimmy. That, and I'm certainly, I, I don't mind being the conduit. They can send an email, you know, an email to me, and I'll pass it on to you and. You know, um, the, I've had all other organizations that I've, uh, interviewed, like the president of, uh, what was that? Global 365 that deals with human trafficking and being able to link people up that way. So, um, right. you know, hopefully someone, you know, uh, if someone who, you know, who listens to this podcast is going through the challenge, um, is, is going through a dark place. And I want to, take this one step further and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but your ability because of what you went through 
extends past someone who's dealing with obesity to even someone who's simply dealing with low self-esteem or coming up in a, in a bad home environment, whatever, and needs motivation to get to the, to the next level, to a better level. Correct. Absolutely, sir. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's my, what I want to do to dedicate my life is, you know, I've found ways to motivate myself when I was, what I thought was beyond motivatable. And yeah, I, I know, I know I can help somebody in one of those situations. I, I have no doubt in my mind, you know, and like I said, it's, that's what I want to do. Of course, I'm going to continue on my journey, but I'm at the point right now where I think it would just feel really good to give something back and to help other people, you know, just, just to, uh, even if I can just, even if one person listening tonight, Here's what I have to say, and they're inspired to take a step on their own. They don't have to contact me. Just take a step on your own because it just takes one step, and if you keep taking a step after that first step, you're going to get there. On that, you're going to get there. That is true. I mean, you are, you know, that's the whole the whole catalyst for uh, that, that, that was behind the, the, my creating this podcast to begin with is all about helping people, and that's why every episode is about, you know, not just information, but motivation, inspiration, knowledge, uplifting, you know, people telling this, their real life stories, you know, I'm not a podcast of, of fluff and, um, you know, um, appearances. This is real life stories. So hopefully each episode I do or each guest I interview, um, helps someone on the other side listening with something in their life. So, what I'm going to ask you to do as we wrap this up is to, you know, close out with giving some advice or your, your thoughts that you want to share with my audience, you know, your final thoughts. Well, final thought is just keep trying, just keep trying. You know, um, I, I, I'm a big quotes guy. I, I, uh, I like quotes, and, and there was a quote by Mark Twain, I'm sure you're familiar with it, where he said, the two most important days in a man's life is the day he was born and the day he realizes why. But I think there's a third part to that that I added. I think the day a man takes control of his life is just as important as the other two. And and that's what we got to do. We just got to take control and take responsibility for our lives, and man, we were put on this earth by God to achieve greatness. I truly believe that. I mean, I pulled myself out of the darkness, and my life is so blessed now. Some days I don't recognize it, so it's there. You know, you just got to want it. Just got to do the work. And that that is so powerful, something you said there, because we, you know, we're definitely on the same wavelength here. And I, yes, I agree with you 100%. We were put on this earth. We were born to be great. It's the decisions that we make along the journey that determine whether we fulfill what God created us to be or not, or who God created us to be or not. And some people get opportunities at different times of their lives. Some people don't uh, take opportunities. Um, even people born with challenges, you know, have a purpose in this life. And to fulfill it is right. the greatest thing we can do. So you have definitely... Um, gone from from a to z on the spectrum and you have you have created for yourself and of yourself an example not only to those who know you 
but to anyone around the world and everyone who listens to this podcast and everyone who comes in contact with you, I have to personally tell you that I am thankful and I'll tell this, I'll tell my audience that, you know, you reached out to me and wanted to be on this podcast. And um, I say this and I don't say it enough that even though I'm the host, I feel guilty many times because I, I receive so much fulfillment out of this sometimes more than my audience does, and this is supposed to be for them. But um, I get the opportunity to have so many life-changing conversations with people such as yourselves who are, who are a great example of, of how strong we are as humans and what we can do when we believe you know, in ourselves and when we believe in God first and when we put our best foot forward. So it has been my absolute pleasure to have you on my show and I thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on 247 Real Talk. Well, thank you so much, Julian. It was a pleasure for me also. Yes, it's been, and I want to encourage you and um, I want to give kudos too for your, your wonderful wife and family who's that's standing behind you and fulfilling that other part of you that I know it's, 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 is also very important and critical and, um, and, you know, as you go along this journey, if anyone reaches out to me, I'll be sure to pass the information along. And, you know, God bless you as you keep going. You too, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please, please stay on the line. a very special thank you to my guest, my inspirational guest, Jimmy Ronick, for sharing his very personal story and offering to be uh, a ray of hope for anyone else who needs to cling on to something, someone to lift themselves up the way Jimmy has. I also want to say thank you to my audience for your continued support and for making 247 Real Talk Podcast such an amazing success. I remind you that you can listen to this episode and any episode and every episode on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to send me a message, if you'd like to be a guest in the show, if you'd like to contact Jimmy or other guests like Jimmy, you can send me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.